0: The based Millennial Action Project is working to engage young policymakers across the country, including members of the Bipartisan Future Caucus in the Kansas Legislature. The organization recently gathered Kansas lawmakers, along with young entrepreneurs in the state, for a discussion at Iron Rail Brewery in Topeka. The voices include Rep. Tori Arnberger-Blue, a Republican from Great Bend, Rep. Ree Shu, a Democrat from Westwood. Demetrius Heron, a realtor from Topeka, and Rebecca Applegren, who runs a cosmetics company in Olathe. Former State Representative Patty Markley yeah. leads the conversation.
1: Okay, so um, first question, this goes both to the legislators and entrepreneurs. If you could quickly just tell us what brought you to your current. Yeah, sir. I
0: can start. Here's Representative Rishu.
1: Um, yeah, for
2: me, it was, uh, started with the 2016 election. I think I just realized that I had not been fighting hard enough for the things that that I love most about this country, Um, to a very large extent, when my parents immigrated to this country. Um, And so I just felt compelled that I needed to get into the fight a little bit more. Um, Further, I I just didn't see many people who are like me in politics and elected positions. I'm sure if you walk around the Capitol, not many people up there look like me. Um, If you go around Kansas broadly, like in elected positions, there's almost nobody elected that is Asian American in Kansas or in many Midwestern states in period. So um, I thought it was important to, to, to get involved for that reason. I, I very proudly and seriously represent my district, um, but to a very large extent in, in this state, in the state house, I represent Asian Americans all across the state and, and I take that very seriously and uh, that's a big reason why I got involved.
0: Representative Tori Arnberger-Blue answered next.
3: So I ran in 2016, I was still a senior in college at Fort Hayes mm-hmm. and I uh, ran, I filed when I was 22 years old and uh, the, o- the not the only, but the main reason I ran was because my legislator, who had been there for 20 years, never responded to an email. I was an intern at the time at the state house and uh, he was gone for three weeks and nobody even noticed. And my thought is, I just want somebody who's gonna answer the phone, who's gonna answer an email, uh, work on constituent services. And so that's why I ran. And then uh, I, I filed, he ended up unfiling, and uh, I scared him. <laughs> so uh, that that's the main reason why I ran. And also from a rural area, uh, grew up there, born and raised. And so I basically knew everybody. And uh, one thing that everyone laughs at me on is, they go, oh, uh, what was it like going door to door? I said, all of my campaigning was in Walmart at the toilet paper aisle. <laughs> I don't know why, but everybody stops me there. And so then you have to buy Charmin. You have to buy the nice toilet paper when everyone's looking in your cart. So, uh, but that's, that's basically uh, the main reason why I ran. And just, I love my hometown. I love Barton County and I'm sure these folks I work with get really annoyed with all of my hometown stories, but uh, I love what I do in representing them.
0: Next to speak is Demetrius Heron.
4: So I never saw myself actually being an entrepreneur. Um, I was an IT specialist in the military and I was on a track actually going to cybersecurity. Uh, so I deployed 2017, 2018 in Operation Inherent Resolve, Operation Spartan Shield, so in Syria and Kuwait. 2017, 2018, and then when I came back, I had a job at McKeats, which is a Marine Corps database center in Kansas City. Um, but I was working 12-hour days. I guess what you do during deployment, you work all the time. Uh, so I went from being deployed, coming home, working all the time, and my son got extremely sick to where he needed me like 24-7. Um, so I had my real estate license, but I was kind of at this crux of how do I provide for him financially, because I was a sole provider at the time. Um, and then how do I provide for his health help I just prayed about it because you know my family and my faith are really willing me in everything I do and I took a leap of faith and I put my dad and women in real estate. Um now I'm you know I've won some awards as a realtor. Uh, my husband and I own a property management company and we're doing some remodeling and construction. So and I started in 2018.
0: And last but not least, Rebecca Appleberg.
4: Um I guess what brought me to
5: my field was um, I've been an emergency room nurse for 13 years and honestly people um i i love working with people i love working with people but the sh- the change in healthcare has changed dramatically to the point of people don't appreciate you saving their life anymore people want to tell you how to do it um and I, and I learned really quickly that i wasn't making people happy i wasn't happy um i worked through the entire pandemic um it was it was brutal it was it was it was absolutely brutal Um, And so I finally decided, like, what do I want to do? How can I make people happy? Um, And that's kind of what led me into uh, the med spa. I want to build women up. I want to build people up. I want them to feel good about themselves.
1: And that's kind of what brought me to where I am. Anybody else want to add anything? Okay, So that actually, uh, pivots quite nicely to uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about was, um, or ask you all, when you think about the pandemic, um, has it forced you to become more innovative or creative, and if so, how? So you just, Rebecca gave us a perfect example of Absolutely. how Absolutely, yeah. I
5: mean, we're losing nurses left and right. Like, everybody wants out. Um, it's been a cry for help for a long time, and I have nurses every day asking me, how are you doing what you're doing? Like, how can I get out of the bedside, um, you know, instead of, um, one last patient, they take advantage of your integrity, and they give you one more patient, and um, you end up with never eating. You're there for 14 hours, and I mean, people, the dynamic of the patients has completely changed. I mean, I've been spit in the face. I've been hit before. I've been, it's It's not what, when I went to nursing school, what I thought I was gonna do. And so, um, changing through the pandemic was incredibly hard. I mean everything was completely locked down. I understand that. I mean I went to fourteen different med spas and applied and I can recover a heart. I can save someone's life and they told me that I would start as a receptionist. And I teach pediatric life support. I I was way so overqualified for these positions, but it was so difficult for me to get involved that I had to take the long route to get there and I had to I had to remember the reason why I want to do it. Like I want to build people up. I want people to enjoy each other again. I want people to laugh. I want people to be happy with what I can do for them. And um, that kind of shifted where I was at. And um, it was a big uphill
4: battle. I will say that. Um, so I would say this: the technology part. And keep in mind. So the transition to technology really wasn't hard for me. It was more the qualitative part of what I do because I work with people, right? So how do you piece the emotions of an anxious first-time homebuyer when I'm talking to them through Zoom? Or I hired uh, two staff members. Uh, one was a virtual admin, so that was pretty easy, but my executive assistant, um, she had a son who had special needs, so I let her work from home because, you know, he was high risk. Um, but how do you build culture? How do you, you know, train someone as a leader? I'm so used to doing things face to face. Um, She she actually, you know, resigned from her position and one of the things that we talked about in the exit interview was what are some things I could have done differently as a leader? And she's like, she wanted more one-on-one time with me. She wanted more development. And I thought I was providing her the flexibility. She was at home, we had connection every day via Zoom, but it still didn't meet the qualitative needs that she needed. Um, And so I'm trying to be creative and innovative on how do I navigate that space and providing what my clients and also my staff needs because I do want to hire and grow my business on an emotional and qualitative level and build them and develop them. So that's where I'm trying to be creative. The technology piece I think is pretty simple. The
3: the one thing during COVID that really, uh, I guess made me think differently was how to support my local businesses. And, and especially the restaurant industry, a lot of people, we all remember that. Um, but it was sad because three of my favorite restaurants, keep in mind I live in a rural town, so that's a lot, uh, they closed because of COVID. And I thought, I have to cook now? Um, so we, we definitely, my husband and I definitely, we did a lot of to-go, we would drive 30 minutes to uh, another town or another county. To go support their local business, and so that was one thing that really uh, hit hard on me was, um, what can I do and what can I buy that is local compared to the more convenient way of buying online.
2: I think my. Idea. My thing is like pretty boring, but I, I think it's relatable. So like when, when COVID hit, all of us, the legislators got hit with unemployment requests, right? We had every single day, we had dozens of constituents emailing us for help, and, and it was our responsibility to do so. Um, but the, the difference is, is that on a daily basis, we we're probably getting the same amount of like actual, actionable help that we used to get in a whole session probably. Um, And so we were needing to find a way to find time in our days that we didn't used to have to spend, right? And so if you think about it, our days are pretty full right now, all of us, we're all busy. How do you find an extra hour? How do you find an extra two hours in your day, right? And so it was just being flexible and agile enough, like, in your own life um, to figure out where you find that extra two hours. So, like, for me, it's like... Maybe you make a simpler meal than like the super complex risotto that you wanted to make or maybe like work out 30 less minutes or just, just you make different sacrifices in order to, to define the, that little bit of extra time. Um, and so, you know, you, you just have to make your brain work in a different way than your normal steady state.
3: Let's be realistic. That during COVID, how many people actually worked out?
4: We gain, <laughs> we
3: gain the COVID nineteen
2: pounds. I'm
4: trying to figure out the limitations on quarantine weight. Like, how long can I still? here? Yeah.
2: <laughs> Every
3: September, when I'm like, oh, sessions
2: coming up, I gotta like check out if my suit still fit. Like,
3: well, I tried on my wedding dress right before COVID started, yeah. and then uh, a week before my bridal was like, my bridal attendant was like, so you need to lose weight. <laughs> I'm like, probably not gonna happen.
1: Yeah. yeah, that husband learned how to make sourdough bread it was, it was brutal for me. Um, so you all are, are leaders in your fields. You're um, young entrepreneurs, young legislators. Um, what do you think the most important aspect of leadership and being a leader in your field? What do you, what would you consider so the most important thing?
2: What I love about my job, and I think the entrepreneurs can probably relate to this as well, is that like being a legislator is actually like like four different jobs, mm-hmm. um, five different jobs, and so um, it's. You know, this might be a little cynical to say, but like, I I found it very easy to be average, an average legislator, right? If I just like show up every day and take the right vote for my district, like that's a pretty easy thing to do if you live in a district that matches your politics, right? Like that, and if you do that, you'll probably get reelected, right? Like you'll be okay. Um, But to be like really good at it requires kind of an extra level, and so. Like I kind of think about the four different parts of being a legislator. So there's being um, constituent services. We talked about that. It, that. That's just a grind, right? That's just hard work. That's just like spending an hour and a half on emails and like making sure your people are taken care of. Um, being a, a party leader. Uh, for me, I, I'm a, in house leadership. I mean, that's just strategy, right? Like uh, we're at a, a two to one disadvantage every single day. It's like playing Alabama or Georgia um, every <laughs> single day. And so we have to figure out ways, like how can we actually make an impact when we're at such a big disadvantage, right? So that's, that's strategy. Um, being a lawmaker is just pure analysis, right? Like you're reading through the bills, like how do I make this bill better even if I'm not gonna vote for it? Like I, I still have a, a, an ethical duty to make all these bills better, I think. Um, and then being like an actual legislator, like the, the jobs of passing a bill is like kind of soft skills, right? Like, like get to know people, how they tick, um, where to compromise and stuff like that. And so like, if you're able to do all those things really, really well, you can be a really, really good legislator. Um, and to, to try to make myself better every single day at all of those is, is an awesome challenge.
3: I would say uh, one thing that I think really helped me out is my first session up here, I just listened. Um, I listened. I I didn't speak up much in committee because I was so scared to ask a dumb question, so scared. Uh, but I, I worked my way in, and being my first year up here up there up here, I uh, befriended everybody. And uh, you know, my thought is we may disagree on the House floor, but. I wanna go get dinner with you later and uh we can find something that we all agree about. So like today, uh it was definitely not planned. Called this one over here to get lunch today. He bailed on me, even though he had other plans, but I was spontaneously calling. But I didn't want to a brief meeting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I see where I stand. Uh but that that is like our when Brandon was coming through Great then he stopped uh he stopped and I took him to Aww the only fried food everything restaurant back home. <laughs> and so like to me, are we gonna agree on a lot? We're gonna agree on sports betting. That might be the only thing we agree on. <laughs> but other than that, like I still consider him a really good friend and we get a lot of things passed because I can go up to him and I say, Brandon, I don't agree with this, but help me understand why you agree with this. And that is, I think, key to understanding both sides. It's just like, um how many people watch the news that they completely agree with, well you're getting told your talking points. You need to listen to the other side and say, do you really agree with that? Or are you being told to agree with it?
4: Um, I would say three words come to mind for being a leader in my field. So I do also sit on the Sunflower Association and Realtors board here. Um, so within that role and then what I do as a so when I, I see myself as a realtor I wear a lot of different hats so trying to preface for the three words I'm going to use. So integrity, knowledge, and I would say advocacy. Um, Integrity is because in myself's position I'm dealing with a lot of people's most important asset. Um, And I have to be very knowledgeable on contracts and the rules and governing myself ethically, but I also need to be knowledgeable on housing because I speak into a lot of places about economic disparities around housing, why we have a lack of housing and trying to find solutions for that. So being knowledgeable in that sense and also advocating for unpopular opinions because housing is also one of the 12 indicators of health. And so I look at it very holistically outside of what I do just within my real estate sales. So I would say those are the three things that I think for me are really important as a leader in real estate.
5: Um, I think number one, my experience um, puts me above a lot of other things. Um, In the hospital, I'm always used to cleaning up messes So like trying to be more of a conservative injector and also knowing the risks and like educating my clients. And then I think um, something that also sets me apart from everybody else is in the hospital, we always are doing educational stuff. You're always in a class. You're always getting certified for something. And I've carried that with me to my business. I'm always in a class. Like right now, I'm actually taking a class out of Washington, D.C. So um, (coughs) I, I think that that answers questions that my clients have. Um, I can tell them what's coming this direction. I can keep us ahead of, ahead of times, but also um, being a good resource for them. Because I think there's so much lack of education when it comes to the field that I do, that so many clients will come to me and be like, I don't know how many units of Botox I get. I don't even know if I get Botox. Well, you should know what you're getting, how much you're getting, why you're getting it, where you're getting it. And I think that we need to be able to educate these people Better, so I really, really believe in education.
1: I have a note on my other talks and how much should I get. Okay, great. So, um, Rebecca and Demetrius, if you could tell a millennial entrepreneur that's starting out, what what are the key advice you would give, give someone who wants to start a business, wants to do, or start, start their own business? Pros, uh, cons, whatever. Um,
5: You know, when I hear you guys talk about a lot of this stuff, um, you know, I think that there's a lot of hurdles that you jump through with starting a business. In fact, I'm pretty sure I've made lots of mistakes getting to where I'm at. And everything has come at a cost. Like, our family has funded our entire business. Um, Everything that we make, we put back into the business. Um, There isn't a lot of resources. Like, it's, to me, I learned quickly when I was in the ICU and in the ER. It's work smarter, not harder. And um, how can I, uh, how can I use my skill to get to to take care of our children? Like we are a joint family. We have seven children between us. Um, And there's there's just a lot that goes to it. I wish that there were better resources out there for us because. I have a really great friend who's been an excellent business coach, and I honestly couldn't have done it without her. Um, I went to high school with Joella, and I took every science class there was. I took zero business classes, <laughs> and I am swimming in the deep end with these master's <laughs> programs right now. And like I said, like it's it has been such an uphill battle for me that I wish that I would have had someone that could have come in and said, you know, these are these are things you can do, like finding leasing agents, like just figuring out the laws, like finding business attorneys, like finding CPAs. Oh my gosh, I have to have work comp for my employees. Like stuff that I didn't know anything about. And I think that there is no handbook to it. A lot of it's trial and error. And at the end of the day, like, I don't know about everybody else. I want to love what I do. I want to make people happy, but I need to pay my bills. I need to take care of my children. I need to know that at the end of the day, Everything is, is taken care of and I just wish that there was like an easier way for more people to figure that out and have more resources.
2: One of my favorite metaphors for running for office and it sounds like for entrepreneurship is like somebody going to you and be like, Hey Tori, do you wanna go to the moon? And you're like, Yeah, that sounds cool, let's go to the moon and they're like, Okay, build a spaceship, bye. And then you're like you gotta figure out like how to build a spaceship, like what right. it looks like, what goes into it, like all these different things, which is running a campaign and so yeah, like like we try to come up with these handbooks um, on how to run for office and then and certainly you guys have been a big part of that too but it sounds like we could do a better job for the business community
5: and that doesn't mean you guys aren't doing a good job it's just I don't I don't know like, yeah right. and that's ignorance also on my part and why so I'm grateful to be here like I love every opportunity that I can get to learn more and figure out how I can help other people and how I can help grow my business and share these things with some of my business partners that want to do the same thing that I want to do so I, I definitely
3: appreciate being here so thank you you want to be best friends with us? <laughs> nice. We're pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. We're best yeah. friends
2: at Corgi. Yeah.
1: So um, yeah, and I hear that as, as someone who is a, works for a not for profit, that that's what we what we do. And then I think of small business development centers that we have at, at the community college, and hearing what we need to do a much better job when we talk about marketing and marketing the state, marketing the resources that are available, and how do we uh-huh. Source Link has a good, it's almost like this, looks like a Metrolink thing that talks about like if you're here, there's these three oh, agencies. That's that nice. yeah. sure. um, oh, that's nice, sure,
4: that's nice,
1: not a lot but, of but it's it, that. That's great, mm-hmm. but if you don't know about it, then that, mm-hmm. that doesn't do you any good, right? So, um, just kind of hear that humbling that we need to always continue well, to be better at, you guys do better. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, no go, go ahead. ahead.
4: As an entrepreneur in Topeka, what I find is that the resources are kind of disjointed. Like you can go to the SBCA or SBCA, I think that's it or oh, you can go to this other organization, but the organizations don't seem to talk to each other, yeah. um, or even just knowing where to start. Um, actually though, if I were to be talking to a first time home, uh, sorry, I worked all day, not first time home buyer. Um, Entrepreneur. Thank you. Um, Someone getting into entrepreneurship, I would really tell them that like hustle culture is not sustainable um, because I think a lot of times in Instagram, they're like, oh, you gotta go. Twenty four seven. I got. I, I'll be honest. Tori, I Some people like I killed it last year, but I got sick four times. Mm-hmm. I went and got blood work. I had no immune system. Like none. Like they were like, yeah, you need to go back. Like they thought something seriously wrong. But I ran my body ragged because I was trying to do all things to all people. And so you have to learn how to optimize, get systems in place. Which is when I learned a lot about business. No one told me about creating systems. So now I know I'm no longer really a new entrepreneur. I'm trying to grow and expand. Well, how do I scale? So now I'm trying to figure out how to learn systems. And then now I have to learn about trademarking and all these other different things. So I if I were to just give some simple advice to a first entrepreneur, I would say, you're gonna work hard, but make sure you write down every single thing you do, create a system out of it so that because it's not sustainable for you to run like that forever if you really want to love what you do as an entrepreneur.
1: So I wanted to touch somewhat on the rural component and, and the special challenges for rural. And I think Tori, and Representative Haswood, you have some rural in, in your city a little bit. Yeah, of but um, kind of those unique um, challenges, and you touched on some of them. I don't know if you want to expand on, you know, being a business owner, trying to what you see as challenges to your constituents in rural areas.
3: So I think the first thing about being rural. It, well, one I know everybody. <laughs> like, I, I'm not like, but like I, I it's 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 so funny because when I met my husband, we went on our first date and I got stopped seven times at our dinner, <laughs> and he's like, like this yeah, guy? and he's not even from Great Bend, so he's like, what is going on? What is this place? Um, so that is that's uh, one great thing about living in rural Kansas. Um, another thing though is when one business goes down, it hurts not just that one business. It hurts so many other uh, folks. And so so we really have to band together and, and be a team. And, and so I think that kind of something that we could bring up here is same thing on one vote. It, it may help one side or the other, but in the end we have to band together and work as a team up here. So I probably didn't answer your question, but... <laughs> I don't know, no, Polit- politician answer, yeah. I don't know anybody else
1: wanted to... He doesn't,
3: he doesn't have any rule.
1: <laughs> a couple cows, yeah. The only farm left cows. Which talk is is
6: now about? <laughs> <laughs> <commentary>. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> they did give them 20 years notice, but they eminent domain for them. Did you,
3: did you know that in Kansas, cows outweigh population six to one? Wow.
6: Mm-hmm. I will uh-huh. say, as a Johnson we'll County,
4: like,
6: <laughs> I yeah. will say, as someone who is from Johnson County, though, like our county does generate about a third of the revenue of the state, which we were excited to be the economic engine, but we all thrive as the state of Kansas when everyone's thriving. And so I want to do whatever we can for our community, but also whatever we can do to lift up the rural parts of the state. I mean, the, one of the first events that I went to after our first session was the Meet in the Middle. Um, program where we came to t- together to talk about economic development and how we can help rural Kansas. And I sat at a table with some of my colleagues I had not even met yet because I was on committees with them. And they were like, oh, what's this Kansas City boy doing here? And I was like, I don't know. how I'm here because I want to learn how we can do things to support you all. Uh, hearing from young people that are really leading the small towns and are leading their chambers of commerce and taking over the businesses and being those entrepreneurs was so encouraging for I know I'm never going to move to Great Bend. I'll come visit you anytime, (laughs) (laughs) but that's not the place for me, but I want to make sure that it is a place that those that are from there are proud to go back to after they are educated and, and, you know, achieve what they want, so.
4: And I'm not from rural Kansas, but I know some reading that I've done is really one of the biggest factors affecting rural Kansas is education. If their elementary schools are closing down, their middle schools are closing down because they don't have the funding and the ability to sustain, these families now have to move to find other opportunities. So I think looking at entrepreneurship ecosystem holistically to see what are other factors that are affecting people's ability to stay in these areas, what are some outlying factors that may be affecting their ability to thrive and really look at that because I know education is a very big factor about where people live. If they feel like my kids can Get educated here. It doesn't matter how much money they're making; they're going to go elsewhere.
3: One of the uh, uh, when I was a teacher for a hot minute, um, <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> um, but the school district I worked for, Otis Bison, when it just used to be Otis and it wasn't consolidated, their graduating class was anywhere from fifty to seventy. Now they are consolidated with Bison, Otis Bison. When I was there, their graduating class had sixteen. So it's just showing you, and that was in the 70s to oh. 50 years later to 2020, uh, just how, in in the end, we're not talking 10 people are leaving, we're talking class sizes. I'll
7: have to agree with you all that. So, Luis to the Latino Professionals Association. I had the privilege of traveling to Goodland to speak to the Latino Student Summit, which brought in students from Fort Scott, Liberal, Doc City. Yeah. So they all came nice. up for that day. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to address them and speak to them in the stead of May and Michelle couldn't make the trip, so I went in the stead. Um, and it was, it, was it, it touched on that point about if there's not enough uh, access to uh, opportunities or at least resemblance of what they can do beyond what they're used to in their area, they don't have to grow that region. So a lot of the Latino students that i touch touched base with they didn't know what they were going to do outside of where they were living because they only knew of what was there. So they didn't think about opportunities to open their own business or maybe look into another field or another thing that wasn't agricultural work. Which is not to say that's bad. It's just they couldn't expand beyond that because that's all they were uh, privy to. So uh, coming back to Topeka, and then traveling to Wichita areas working nonprofits, it was kind of a similar thing. Uh, we didn't. I didn't see a lot of the students. Won't be more optimistic about other roles or other professional fields other than what they saw their family members and you know their parents being a part of in the labor force. Not knowing that there's opportunities, resources, uh, there's centers that offer opportunities for them to explore more uh, to be able to access different kind of uh, professions. And that that's what drove me to start to be the Latino Professionals Association is expanding on that, making sure that at least my small work that's going to start here in Shawnee County can at least expand eventually statewide to be able to access more opportunities for students in their area. So. I love that. Yeah. That's great. Then are we, are we about
1: a couple more minutes.
3: I mean, feel free. Okay. Well, um, mm-hmm. I love to
1: talk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we <We're> do. <politics. laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Well, um, this is kind of just a, a final question. Um, if you had a chance to just, what would you want your community—this is for all of you—to um, know about you? So, what don't they know about you already? I of you guys, really they know everything. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but or if they think of Representative Shue, if they, if they think of Becca's business, what is? What do you want them? Your lasting
3: impression be? What do, what do they want? They?
1: What do you hope that they think of you?
3: That I don't have a resting bitch face. <laughs> I, <laughs> I can fix, fix that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, here we go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're all working together. Sorry. Just for those benefit of masks, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong? Yeah. Nothing's wrong. Yeah. This is my face. <laughs> no, no, I'm smiling, no. I'm not mad.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's always with the uh, CJ online. All their pictures of me all the time, and I'm staring at the board. I'm like. <laughs> Whatever.
4: <laughs> so that what
3: you want? I want them to think that I'm a good person, you know, because politics is so divided, and it's the same five people that are upset with me, and and so, the, but they're the loudest. And no, on i on Twitter. And oh, they hate me. Uh, I love you, but I hate you sometimes on certain things. <laughs> it's not you; it's primary your opponent. your primary opponent from 2018 that oh, thinks wow. that he knows my district so well. Because he goes to a barbecue once a year in Great Bend, um, but yeah, like we're we're nice people. Mm-hmm. We're nice people. We like to have a good time. We so and we're, we're
2: all representing our districts. To we are. That. We're gonna.
3: Like, we did a we did a Zoom happy hour with all of us, mm-hmm. and we it was it was a blast. And I was like, hey, Re, I do not like anything that you're saying, mm-hmm. but I think you're a good person. Yeah, likewise. Yeah,
2: I mean, for, 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 I mean that, that, that's basically what, what my answer is. Is that like I I fought as hard as I could for for the stuff that I believe in, and that I think it's good for my community, you know. And I, I think that at the end of the day, that's all we really want as representatives is, is for our constituents to know that they feel represented. Um, and, and like truthfully, the, the best emails that I get are the ones that are like hey, you know, I'm pretty staunch conservative didn't vote for you, probably won't vote for you again, but just thanks thanks for helping me with this, you know? And, and, and then that that type of stuff is, is what means the most.
4: Um, for me, I was, cause, you know, look, being a realtor is kind of twofold. People are either happy to see you or they're like, please don't try to sell me anything. <laughs> um, but I would say that, I mean, as far as what I do as a realtor, I, I definitely enjoy it, but I really see myself as a community advocate. Like, I love what I do in the community work, and really I, I feel like I'm kind of in a listening learning phase right now, but I'm very passionate about our lack of housing, economic inequality, education inequality, and so I, I want people to know that I'm more than just a salesperson. Um, and outside of being a realtor and community advocate, my favorite role is being a mom. I have a, we are a football family, I have a son who's in seventh grade, and I absolutely love developing you know, the future of wherever he decides to live up in his canvas i'm really trying my um, best, but he's determined to go to ohio state so we'll see <laughs> um,
5: when i started my journey at trying to figure out how to get into uh, aesthetics um, we had a litter of corgis during the pandemic and that was um, oh. <laughs> it was so exciting
2: uh, yeah, <laughs> We the, Can we it?
5: Yeah. Um, the picture of the Veterinary Board of Association oh, no. for being this miracle dog that was not so supposed to survive and the vet was like, I'm going to really test and see what kind of ICU nurse you really are. <laughs> so here I'm like dividing the 19th of this pill, giving it to this dog and honey, uh, doing IV fluids on him three times a day. Oh, wow. um, but I will tell you that he, like the pictures of our corgis, like it brought out so much happiness during the pandemic and that's spoke so deep to me because I thought we can have all these people that feel totally two different ways and we can find a common good and people can be happy and I take that to my business also in the sense that people come and talk politics to me every day. I'm a counselor, I'm I'm doing so much with them but we, we find this common good in, in about building people up and I think that we get distracted so much with so much division that it's nice to find the corgis in the situation. Does that make sense? Yes. Is like, that a metaphor or like <laughs> literally, a, like literally the corgis? Sentence, but okay. it's of what I want my business to be to be more known as is that you can come, you're safe with me. I'm gonna take great care of you. Um, I want to make you feel better about yourself. I'm not changing you. Or you're having a great experience. So,
1: how, so, how can we find the corgi? Corgi and Yes, let's find that. Is, Again, I'm not
2: that's sure if this is form. a metaphor or <laughs> <laughs> like you about actual corgis.
3: I think See, that needs to be our motto yeah, this find year. The corgi. Find the corgi. So, good. Good. Yeah. so just to, just
1: to make sure we all understand, you um, have seven children between you. Yes. and a litter of corgis. You start your own business. All
5: yes. okay. How much more stressful can we like be? Right. We we function under chaos. Okay. <laughs> this is my husband. He um, is retired military. So. Um, we are like on our second marriage and so we are blessed to feel that we are given the chance to have happiness and yeah, that's um, good. we are not your typical nuclear family, but we love that about ourselves. Mm-hmm. We like are just chaos and mm-hmm. we represent a big portion of the people out there that I feel like they can't they can't feel comfortable sure. with that. Does that make sense? Yeah, like no. they don't fit no. that shoebox and here we are. Here we are with my metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> I get trouble. We're in a room (laughs) full
2: of legislators and entrepreneurs, right? Right, And like (laughs) genuinely, all of us have done something scary, right? Like starting your own business is scary. Putting your name on the ballot box is scary. And so we get it.
5: For sure. I do wish, I I do want to make one comment. Um, Something that was one of the most difficult things for me, and I don't know if this is anything that can ever be changed, but like um, being a business that's less than two years old, like I didn't qualify for any SBA loans. And so, um, I, I purchased a piece of real estate, and we tenant improved it. And I mean, our our home finances are on that. Of course they are. That's that's my business. I worked so hard to build it from the ground up. But um, I wish that there was some other availability options for people that are less than a two year old business, because you are you have a glass ceiling if you don't have any help at that point, and you're like it's almost like you're waiting to get to that finish line before you can really grow your business.
1: That's just my two cents. Okay. Um, I think, uh, putting on my ECJC hat, you know, last year there were ten thousand dollars grants because the county received a chunk of money, just that Johnson County did, if you're a big enough county, and there were ten thousand dollars grants for businesses. Um, and as long as you could show that either you lost ten thousand dollars or uh, in revenue, or you had to have ten thousand dollars in expenses that were were unanticipated because of COVID. Can I still apply for that? Well, um, <laughs> actually, that money um, had to go out you know, by the end sure. of the selection. But there is a new round of funding, um, and I can get you the information. Uh, I appreciate that. It's 2 or $3 million that the county is doing through. There's an organization called AltCap, and it's okay. like Alternative Capital. And they're the ones, they have a fund that, um, and fund those grants. And they're, and they're grants. They're not loans, they're just grants. So I can, you know. Again, I feel bad because, you know, <laughs> we know there's people out there don't know, know about these no, things. No, I yeah. That. So, yeah.
4: So. I had a
6: constituent that I only was able to help get one of those in-depth about because she wasn't in a new business because you emailed us to tell us about that. So, even as legislators, we some of those resources fall through the cracks. So, to your point earlier. Yeah.
5: I mean, I Googled how to, like, get, you know, stuff, and then I signed up for this thing that charges me, like, $40 a month to, like, apply for these things. <clears throat> you know, like, I fell for all those all
1: those like little
5: things, yeah.
2: You because know? those are optimized for clicks and not actually. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. But you don't know what you don't know. I yeah. Exactly. I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Well, I think maybe
7: the theme of uh-huh. finding the corgi and people. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Put on the screen. Yeah, we're putting them on the yeah. screen have yeah. like $37,000. Yeah. The,
5: the litter actually made the Corgi-holics page on Facebook. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. I don't know how we got this amazing picture of all of them lined up together and
1: made
3: us Yeah. Find the Corgi, folks. <laughs> Find the Corgi. that was a time that's what
1: it
3: was. That's
1: right. Well, thanks so much. You
3: Thank you guys for having us.